kicked out of college, James visits Grams, his only remaining family, who dies shortly after his arrival. He finds consolation in the company of Graham's neighbor, Dot, a dance teacher, as he figures out his next move. While settling Graham's affairs, James learns that he's been the victim, she's been the victim, of grandparent scam in which someone posing as James has been slowly bilking her out of thousands. And this is the setup to a wonderful film. Um, uh, they call it a Texas thriller. It's kind of a noir-ish. There's a lot of different um, descriptions for it, but ultimately it's just a wonderful drama, very well acted. We're joined today by the writer and the director of Two Step, and that would be Alex R. Johnson. Alex, welcome to Film School. Uh, thanks for having me. Thank you. Um, where'd the story come from for this? Well, uh, the scam I had held on to for a long time. I heard I heard about the scam when I was younger. I think on some news magazine show, and I just kind of held on to it as a, something that I thought was kind of cool, I guess. And then um, we—I've been in New York for about eighteen years, and uh, my family and I moved to Austin uh, about three years ago. And uh, one of the things that I started obsessing with is I hadn't been in the house as an adult. I had only been in apartments. And um, uh, apartments have kind of the um, the vestibule doors. The, the you know, there's just a just a, a lot of layers uh, that are you know pretty much illusions of security. But but you, you feel more secure. And I was just staring at our front door and just thinking like, oh my gosh, that's it. That's all we have. So I started to think about home invasions, and I definitely wanted to do a Texas noir. And then I, I looked into the scam uh, scams. Um, in in Texas, and that grandparent scam was actually pretty prevalent in Texas because it's a border uh, it's a border state. So, um, uh, just sort of it all kind of came together and cooked, and um, mm-hmm. and and being in Texas and kind of absorbing it um, for the first time uh, was uh, was really it. So it just all it all sort of sort of cooked organically from that point. Did you have, um, how long did, I'm, I rarely ask this question, I don't know why I don't, but from the time you finished the script, but, uh, let's get a little bit into your background before we get into the script itself. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit sure. about you as a filmmaker. I know you've worked with Henry Cora, you've worked with some great people, and you've done some earlier work, but this is your debut feature-length film, correct? Yeah, yeah, I mean, my background, I started originally back at Nasal as a, as a PA, but they didn't call us PAs, they called us runners, because then you'd want the PA rate if they called you a PA. Mm-hmm. Um, runners, they could pay you minimum wage. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I started back in 94 after college, and I, I left uh, when Henry Cora left Nasal's and, 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 and worked with him, mostly on commercials, and worked my way up from PA to producer, and eventually was his uh, executive producer. Mm-hmm. And um, and um, so then uh, I left. Uh, I produced a film called Painsex America with with him, a documentary for Showtime. Mm-hmm. And um, I then uh, went to uh, work a lot with with Pete Sillen, who had a great um, feature doc uh, that I produced called "I Am Secretly an Important Man" uh, about uh, Jesse Bernstein. This um, uh, the, the kind of the kind of a grunge poet in Seattle. It kind of set the tone for the grunge scene in Seattle. But all the while, I was making my shorts and I was writing scripts and um, trying to get stuff going, going to labs and and getting older <laughs> and not and, nothing, and then having it nothing happen. 
Um, so, you know, I, I really was kind of like, you know, we just, I just kind of put everything on the line for this. I just, um, I was, uh, I was developing something with some producers based on a, based on a feature screenplay that I had at the Hampton Screenwriters Lab, uh, developing it into a series. And it just kind of just died very suddenly. Um, and right about when I was 40, so like real perfect, well, perfect no, wait, timing for frustration. And um, and I just realized I just had to do something. I had to just, you know, put all of our money up, if my wife was willing, um, convince others to, to, to put as much of theirs as they could. And um, that we just had to, we just had to, had, I had to do it now. I could risk it now. I probably couldn't risk it in five years, you know? Yeah, so yeah. I could risk it now. So I basically was like, it's time to just try it. And, uh, and so that's, but this actually, the, the, we were trying to make another film, which was very frustrating, um, uh, just process just because it takes place in the Andes. We have no money. Um, we had name actors. Um, it became very difficult to schedule all of them, uh, especially with no money and not being a priority. And that process was taking almost three years. And so when I moved to Texas, we were still trying to produce that other film. And then I started writing, um, then I started writing uh, Two Step. Um, I started uh, I started writing that um, uh, right after South by Southwest 2013. I mean, I literally started it the week after South by Southwest 2013, and I um, and we premiered at 2014. So it was it was quick. Yeah, that is wow. That is very quick. So I was just going to ask you. So the script took you uh, to sort of the first draft. You were done in a month, uh, a few weeks. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've held on to the story for a really long time, and I was thinking about it. I, I, I think about, I'll think about the story for a while. You know, it sounds ridiculous, but I'm very cre- I, 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 A lot of development happens just before I go to sleep, just kind of I lay down, I think about a story, and I'll think about it for a long time before I start writing. Yeah. And then I start doing this uh, uh, this old, gosh, this, this is just like a high school thing that I learned in creative writing, and I still do it, um, just this kind of idea of a spillage where you just, you know, all your ideas just come out and there's no bad ideas and you, uh, and I just do that. I just scribble everything down that I think about for like, you know, 20 or so pages. And then I know I have enough momentum at that point to kind of like carry me into the second act when I start writing the feature. The worst thing is when you start and it kind of just dies. Um, yeah. so I, I know I have enough to get, to keep me going. And, um, and then once you're in there, you know, if you've created the characters in the world, it's sort of, sort of that magical thing where it just, it does, it goes places, you know, I mean, it, you obviously are writing it, but once you have all that foundation, um, I find that's, that's where it's easiest to write. We're, we're speaking with Alex Johnson. The The film is Two Step. It's in theaters now. Um, it's, uh, uh, is it Traverse Media as the, the, the distributor? You can go to the site, which is twostepfilm.com, to find out more. The reason I'm asking about your, your this process is um, regarding this film is it's such a, um, a polished piece of work. Um, I mean, obviously, budget constraints are sometimes the mother of invention, and um, but you have you you managed to create a a, a very uh, a polished. I say polished a very uh, mature look to this film, uh, mm-hmm. and the acting is across the board. I haven't seen. I, I'll be honest. I haven't seen any of these people in any anything 
I know that Beth uh, Broderick, who is, plays Dot, has been in a few things. But most of these, all these people are new to me. So th- there's something about watching a film that is this good, that is this well written. The dialogue is excellent in the film. And um, to just kind of come out of nowhere for me personally. And uh, I was just very curious about, about how you came to this. And um, tell me, uh, uh, moving forward, uh, when you, you did the script, did it take you long to cast? Did you have any one in mind? Because I know that Texas scene is amazing for filmmakers. I've had, I can't even tell you how many people have been on from Texas, from Austin anyway, um, that are just wonderful filmmaking community. So did, was that, did that help you in this process? How quickly were you able to get these people lined up? Uh, well, you know, uh, what, what the, 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 the struggles with the other project um, kind of uh, f- fueled and, and fed how we handled production on this project. Um, I did not want to get into a situation where we were waiting and waiting and waiting. Um, so uh, I decided also that while we could have cast in Los Angeles, um, the kind of world that we created um, that we were hoping to create was just kind of one degree off from reality, this heavy character kind of world. And I knew that if any of the roles felt false or any of the lines um, just died on screen, that it, it, could, it just pulls you out of it. And then when it pulls you out of it, you're just kind of like, well, this is ridiculous. So I needed everything to ring true. Yeah. Um, so we had to have Texas actors for the most part. I think the only non-Texas actor, not, not, or, or actor that, that isn't at least living in Texas now is, James Landry and Bear, who plays Webb. Um, but so we um, hired Beth Sesto, who is, 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 if you've talked to Austin filmmakers, she's gonna, you're going to hear her name a lot. Um, she um, uh, did all the local casting for Friday Night Lights, as well as Bernie. She did the entire casting for Bernie and Boyhood. Okay. And um, she, uh, she really knows all of the, the local talent so she she was just integral and and massively important to us um um but but she just and she just brought us quality i was i i had only been in austin for you know year and a half or so at that point and i was maybe a little cynical still about the talent pool but um just shocking just how good um some of the actors that are there are so the only person that we didn't um go locally with is, is a bear and we knew him through my producer so when i when i gave him the script he he he, he saw he thought a bear would be great for it so that's how that conversation started yeah and then Beth, when, when i when Beth Sepko told me that Beth broderick lived in austin that was kind of a no-brainer um so we went to her and uh she uh she dug the character so that was pretty easy but everybody else was um you know, every I'm talking. I've been talking. I was at SAG recently, just talking about the audition process and and how do you know? And and, and everybody in this film had a moment, uh, kind of a magical moment in the casting process where I just, you know, I just it was just immediate. Jason Douglas came in, who plays Dwayne, and just just destroyed it. Just was so good. Everybody had moments like that, and. Um, yeah. So uh, I don't know. It just it, it came together um, pretty pretty quickly. The, the only difficult role to cast at the beginning was was was, was um, the role of James, played by Sky Moore, and um, I think that was because there was there there was a period there in Austin where there were a couple of like WB shows filming, mm-hmm. 
And um, you can't, like, be a boy or a man between 18 and 22 and be on a WB show unless you can do, like, you know, a thousand push-ups and, you know, <laughs> you, you, you have to be in incredible shape. So that sort of fueled how a lot of men of a certain age and often looked. So uh, everybody was coming in, and there were great actors, but I couldn't buy any yeah. fragility from them. So um, so when Sky finally came in, it was great because he, he hit it on the acting and, and the look. So, But that was the last, the last role we cast. Well, there, this is a, this is not a small cast. There's really eight or or maybe nine. There's a, or there's a number of key people in this in this film, uh, and so bringing this ensemble of people together. And again, I I mean this. It, this everyone is just wonderful. And you mentioned uh, Jason Douglas, it's Dwayne, who is in in some ways he's the the catalyst for this story i mean he sort of sends mm-hmm. web on on into this spiral i mean he, uh, web is as you mentioned was played by james landry uh, a bear and we will get to him mm-hmm. because he's fantastic in this film he really kills this role and um and it's great to see somebody who again and i apologize for having not seen him and anything before this to see somebody just emerge for uh and just do such a great job but Dwayne's wonderful and he has the physical uh kind of presence to really reinforce his his uh his role in this film um you know Amy's uh i say Ashley is wonderful i just across mm-hmm. the board everybody is so good in this film um uh, that it is remarkable. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about why not. Let's talk about James Landry Abair, um and his role. Mm-hmm. He, I, I, can I, can I say he sort of reminds me for people in the audience who are looking for a reference? It's hard to get away from it that, that he reminds me a bit of Matthew McConaughey. He he. There's there's an element of Matthew McConaughey in his physical appearance and and somewhat in yeah. in, in his in the way he projects. Uh, but that's not fair. He's, to, I don't he's think a that's, little, yeah, yeah, a little McConaughey, a little Defoe, a little yeah. uh, Sarsgaard. You know, yeah. I mean, the guys just got these canyon cheekbones that are <laughs> so much fun to film. Um, but yeah, he's 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 a talent. He's, I hope this is it does everything it's supposed to for him. Well, and I and I'm you know to brag on the film even more. Uh, if you go to Rotten Tomatoes to check check out Two Step. Uh, you'll see that it's a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and that's no accident. That is, a, that's uh, that's for real. Um, but yeah, talk, so talk to me about sort of preparing. Uh, uh, I hate to single him out in some ways because, again, you mentioned Beth uh, Broderick, and uh, what a sort of genteel and yet strong presence she, she feels like in the film. She's a she's a gentle soul. Uh, but it, at the same time, you, you you sense her 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 inner strength, and and she does a great job with that. Uh, yeah, she's 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 really wonderful. I needed there to be, you know, I needed I needed I needed there to be a little light, yeah. a little humanity. I mean, she she is that, but she's certainly flawed and real. Yeah. So it's not like she's just a glowing angel, but um, no. but I wanted there to be something to some light to balance the dark. Well, and the the part of Webb, played by James Landry Aver, is you you had to find, and you did. You found somebody who needed to be uh, capable of the violence that the character that the characters called upon uh, to to uh, be a part of, and yet even to the end, for me personally, 
I saw the humanity. I saw the trap he was in. And, and even, I, again, I felt like this is a guy that is capable of doing better with his life. But maybe by choice, but certainly by circumstance, he's chosen to go this way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely wanted you to feel like a um, combination of things is, is that, you know, he's, um, he, he's, he's in a bad situation himself, and um, he also doesn't quite understand why things are going on. But then he's also one of these guys that, you know, I've, I've been saying that he's sort of like, well, he's very open about the fact that his nature is evil, but it's just not his fault. You know, right. yeah. um, he 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 really does. But he's an emotional. He's emotional, and that's really his undoing. Yeah. It's just how emotional he is. And um, so when the when when things go from one one to the next, you know, it's it's his emotions that always drive him. And and that's that's one thing that Dwayne talks about about being uh, why, why he's trouble. Um, it's just you just can't predict. Uh, what's going to happen around him. And, but I'm so glad that you picked up on the humanity of the role because that was something that Ed Barron and I talked about a lot before filming. Um, you know, we, we both didn't want him to just to be the kind of ultimate badass. We wanted there to be some um, glow, um, some, 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 some identification of, a, of, of a, he's just not a monster. He's a, he's a human being that's, that's, that's a bit damaged. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, again, I'm you know, this is no way, you know, <laughs> his actions are, are you know, horrible in, in many circumstances. Yeah. But, but uh, they're horrible, and then they get worse, and they get worse, <laughs> and <clears throat> you know, and but it's under, you know, he his he's had he has obviously the the situation with him and Amy, uh, is, that's a terrible situation. But he's oh I don't I don't want to get too far into this uh, into the storyline ex- itself but just needless to say the dynamics in this film and one of the strengths of Two Step is that all of this works just sort of it flows there's I don't feel like I was you know, oftentimes you see in films where a character shows up set of circumstances occur because it, you have to in order to further a plot line just it's sort of a mm-hmm. convenience of sorts to inject a character to make something happen in terms of uh, the, the moving the story along. None of that. None of that here. Everybody feels like this is just a normal day <laughs> in Texas in some ways. <laughs> Excuse me. But, uh, but at the same time, this under, but there's, oh, there's a, throughout the film, there's an undercurrent of something foreboding. Uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I just, uh, I would, it's wonderful. Uh, now the, uh, the cinematography is fantastic. Let's talk about some of the people mm-hmm. that uh, help sure. you with the film. Um, your cinematographer, um, yeah, Andy Lillian was my cinemato- cinematographer, and he's somebody that I that I had worked with on on, on commercials for years. And um, beyond the fact that I think he's a great artist and has a great eye, um, one thing that was super important to me is that I've worked with him on commercials that I've produced where we've had no money and we've had a lot of money. And, you know, when, when you hire Andy, he's just all in. He's 100%. It doesn't matter. Once he says he's doing your job, you get, you get him 100%. And so I knew on this level of production that we needed someone like that. But he also, you know, really knows the, the, the science and the art of the Alexa. It's not just, um, you know, he's, he, he obviously is, a, is, is incredibly talented in terms of just being a DP, but he's, 
I think he was one of the first people, one of the first private owners in New York of the Alexa. So he's had it for a, a while, longer than most. And he really knows the camera inside and out. And he really knows what can be done um, in low light, how far you can push it. Um, and, and we needed to not get too intricate with our lighting in order to stick to our what we were trying to accomplish with our shooting schedule and to have the time to work with the actors that I was hoping to have, you know, on the days. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he was crucial, um, crucial, crucial. He was, he was attached uh, to that... Uh, Ecuador film that we were doing, and um, so when I told him we were gonna we were gonna move on to the other film, um, you know, I, I, I sent him the script and said like I think this is way more doable. We could we could actually do it. Everybody else is on board. You know, we'd love to have you. And he said he actually liked it better. Which <laughs> <laughs> like wait, does that mean the other one's not as good? <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so so super crucial to have someone like him just, I mean, and I think a lot of my, a lot of what made us able to, to uh, accomplish what we accomplish is, is because I've been producing for so long and, 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 you know, people say, Oh, you can't think as a producer when you're writing. Well, you know, yeah, sure. Not if you have a deal and you uh, are established, but when you're calling your way in um, and you want to get a film made, you know, you do have to think as a producer when you're writing and make sure that what you're doing is doable for the amount of money you have. Um, one really smart thing Andy did, one of his uh, 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 decisions early on was he wanted to use older lenses. Um, he, uh, we had talked about having a kind of a timeless look to the film and kind of being in errorless Austin, which is mostly because Austin is just not, it's just not in the city that people think it is anymore. It's just kind of a booming condo-filled right. place, and a lot of the culture's disappearing very fast. Um, you know, the broken spoke scenes, the either side of the broken spoke is, is are condos. There's condos. It's in the, sh- the shadow of these two condos. So um, to feed that kind of look and not be so crystal and HD, uh, he went with some older lenses that, that would be a little soft on the edges. Mm-hmm. Um which was a super smart decision and helped great, great amount to not be that uber crisp kind of HD that that, that kind of hits you in the in the face. Um, but yeah, no, Andy's great, great guy, amazing eye, and um, and and really knows knows his work. You know, I think one of the best things about working on a film would be finding your your eye this of the cinematographer finding working with someone. Who I mean, it's one thing you have a great script, you've got you've cast it well, and then and then on top of all that, you find somebody to work with who makes it better, <laughs> who makes yeah, everything yeah. look. After all, so it's a good. visual medium, and he makes it look that much better. And I just I, yeah. I, I think that would be such a blast, you know. Creative. Super important. I mean, that's really as a director, I think that's what you look for in every position and every every actor too, you know, I mean, if you're the writer director, you know, it's certainly, it's a luxury when I think you're the writer director, but, um, that's, that's that thing when, when, when in the auditions of the actors too, where you're just like, that's better than I thought, but you're still saying the words. I mean, you know, you, you haven't even changed the words, but you've made it better. You're just you're bringing something more to it. And, you know, and yeah. certainly with Andy and, 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 and all the roles, you know, um, uh, in terms of crew and, uh, it was just it was a great experience. We had, we had a really a really good shoot. Yeah. You know, we were supposed to be eighteen days. We did it in we did principal in sixteen. Wow! And 
we were ahead of schedule, mostly ten and a half hour days. The, the the kitchen scenes, which if you've seen the film, you know what the kitchen scenes are. We did all that in two day two thirteen hour days. Okay. But by the time we got to those thirteen hour days, the crew was just happy that they had been going home. Yeah. You know. Yeah. At ten and a half hours, that they were like, "Hey, man, no, we're in it. We got to do it. We got to get it." And everybody was in a in a positive mood. Um, and then we ended up um, just uh, shooting a lot of our transitional stuff well, down I, the road. Um, yeah, no, I mean, you brought up something interesting, and I think this is one of the sort of underappreciated parts of, of filmmaking, especially if somebody who's first feature, and you've worked on other things, and you've worked every, obviously around the Maisels and you know that sort of culture, um, is that managing your man, you have to be a good manager. Uh, you you can't be the yeah. guy with the you know the writing crop killing your crew <clears throat> and no. making everything happen because you demand that it happen a certain way. If you're if you you lay this out in a way that ten hour days that's I mean in filmmaking world if people don't know that's I mean, that's really unusual. Uh, usually twelve fourteen hours is what a lot of these uh, film crews are are in, enduring over over a shoot. And so by the time, you're right, by the time you get to a day where, okay, we're asking a little extra, people are not so burnt out that they're just staring at you sideways when you ask them to do yeah. that. That's, that's a skill. I've, I've asked directors before this question. I mean, what did you learn? And oftentimes they'll say managing people, managing yeah. all of this different, this enterprise, this sort of startup business that comes and goes in six weeks. Isn't that really yeah, a part? Yeah, and, and, and that's... And my, and that's just I've done that through producing for so many years. So that that was my that 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 is, you know, you go through the different stages as a producer when you're younger. I think you're a little tougher, and um, you might yell every now and then. Um, but then you start seeing how things people react to that. Um, by the end, you know, I mean, gosh, by the end, past like five years of producing, I, if 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 I if I'm disappointed in you, that's when it's really bad. You know, yeah. and and yeah. it's like yeah. it's almost like parenting. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you just you, you can't you can't hit, you can't scream. You know, everybody these are people, and they're all they're all working to try to um, help you. You know, um, so you, you really have to be respectful of all that, and you need to make it a fun experience. And when 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 we paid a living wage in Austin, you know, that was important to me, but um, yeah. but we weren't paying you know a huge amount, so it was just. Oh, I was great. very thankful to anybody that 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 was willing to give us time, and, and and we had some very talented people. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, when it comes down to that thirteen hours day, when people are pulling for you to get this, as you talk about the kitchen scene, which is there's a lot. There's I could tell there was a lot of setups there, a lot of a lot of things going on, um, and yeah, to have them on your side for that part of it. And and mm-hmm. excited that that you were able to get it all done, and that's a, that's a, a testament to you as a, a manager and a director. But also, it bodes well for the film itself. I mean, that just feels that must feel like you were on the right track um, when when you were able at by the time you wrap production. That uh, how long did it take you to edit it? Boy, well, we gosh, we you must have hurried because you yeah, got it's, it's, it's sort of a blur because we were because we we actually South by gave us you know. Which everyone should know that if they are worried about getting, you know, in deadline, you know, extensions are possible at mm-hmm. film festivals. You just have to reach out. Yeah, you just have to say like, "Hey, um, I did this amazing film. It'll be perfect for your festival, um, but I'm not going to be ready on November 12th." Seeing as though November 12th was the last day of shooting of our film, and that was the day South by Films were due. Uh-huh. Um, uh, you know, and they gave us a month <laughs> to get them a cut. 
uh, maybe, maybe, yeah, they gave us about a, a month extension. And my editor basically lived in my house for that month. <laughs> and then we, um, were gonna, we were going to give them a cut on, on that day. And they were just so behind in films. Um, they said, we honestly will not look at it, just putting it in the pile for like a week or maybe two. So take the extra two weeks, but make it, make it, make it perfect, okay. as perfect as you can make it. You know, they basically said it's going to be immediate judgment, you know. So um, we did that and made it as good as we could. But then we kept, uh, you know, we kept editing okay. after we submitted. Um, I think we, we finished editing. So, we, so say we edited November 12th till about, you know, end of January, okay. maybe, maybe February, beginning of February. And then we... And then once we got in the South, I think we found out in, in February that we got in, and um, then the, 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 the process of freaking out over <laughs> the online and everything. You know, I make the, I've made the joke a few times that, you know, that we arrived at South by and our, our DCP was wet. I don't know, because that was the old and nobody, nobody, nobody gets that. Um, you know, that the negative used to be the old joke would be our print was wet because yeah, yeah, so fresh. Exactly. didn't have time to dry, but DCP was wet. Um, so that was pretty much, I think we got our DCP two days before the premiere. Um, so um, and they, they just had enough time to, to, to test it. And, uh, and then we were, we were off. Yeah, well, congr- so. yeah, congratulations to all of this. Uh, you've been very generous with your time today. I'll, I will let you be on with your day, but I want to let people know that the film is screening uh, here in Los Angeles at the Arena Cinema, and it, that is on uh, Las Palmas in Hollywood. It's a great theater uh, and a wonderful, really uh, uh, dedicated to uh, showcasing um, great films, and that's the Arena the uh, cinemas in Hollywood, and it's and it's tonight, starting t- tonight, uh, August seventh, runs through this week, and you can go to twostepfilm.com for additional screenings. Um, it, I, I don't know this. Are you? Do you happen to be in town? Or are you? Are you in Austin now? I'm in town. I'm I'm uh, I'm going to be there tonight and um, uh, tomorrow and Sunday. So tomorrow at five thirty, there'll be a Q and A, and we'll have a lot of the cast as well. Tonight, seven thirty is sold out. But uh, tomorrow at five thirty, there'll be a Q and A, and I think the arena's been generous, and we're going to have like a little reception afterwards, where we're all hanging out, and you can come ask us uh, all sorts of questions. And I'll do the same thing at the four thirty screening on Sunday. Fantastic. And uh, yeah, and then we'll be on VOD uh, starting September first. Wow. Well, wonderful. Maybe um, I uh, it's it's a hike, but I would love to come up and shake your hand. I I, I really enjoyed your film. Uh, Henry, uh, of course, uh, friend of the friend of the show, and thoroughly enjoyed having him on to talk about his latest work. And uh, it's great to see Austin uh, filmmaking because it, I, I like I don't know what's in the water you guys are drinking, but uh, <laughs> you really seem to be uh, a very supportive community for filmmakers. And uh, um, so glad to see that, and so so happy that you were able to find time to be here on Film School today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, you take care. And all the best uh, in that and the future projects as well. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.